Hello there, friend. This is Jerry Tyson in The Beacon's Light. Is the next Great Awakening around the corner? Find out in the book Final Fire by Tom Horn, Larry Spargimino, and Donna Howe. As today's world becomes more desperate, the world is inadvertently moving toward another Great Awakening. Get your copy of Final Fire by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. We all know people who are travel snobs. They can't stop talking about all of the wonderful places they have been and the wonderful times they have had while there. They drip with the attitude that they must be more special than you or I because you were never there. As much as I hate listening to people like that and don't ever want to become one, I have to say that some places are so far over the top they cannot be ignored. Please forgive me if I sound like one of those dearly loved snobs. That is not the intent. Southwest Radio Church's Dr. Noah Hutchings invited my wife and me to travel with him twice to Israel and Jordan. Age was beginning to play its dirty tricks on him, and he wanted a backup to assist when needed. There was one spot we visited that was one of those this is really the place where it happened locations, Mount Carmel. The first trip, our Israeli guide wasn't thinking when setting up the tour itinerary and had us there on a Sunday when the Catholic property owners did not open for tours. We were able to be on the hilltop adjacent to the land, however, and saw most of what was important. The second tour was better planned. As we were reading the portion of Scripture that dealt with the battle between the hundreds of prophets of Baal and Elijah standing alone for the Lord God, Israeli jets flew just over our heads with a deafening roar. Most likely they were on a training maneuver, and when they had circled around, they headed back to base across the valley in front of us. That was when we noticed something out of the ordinary. We couldn't see a landing strip. We were told later that the takeoff and landing strips are underground. The Israeli Defense Forces air base is invisible. So even if you did know where to look, even then you might not be sure. From our rooftop viewpoint, the whole valley stretched out before us, extremely wide in its expanse and going nearly as far as the eye could see from left to right. This is the location that someday future will be flooded, not with water, but with blood. This is the great valley where the decisive battle of the future will be fought. As described in Revelation 14:20, and the wine press was trodden without the city and blood came out of the wine presses, even unto the horses' bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. 
Some accounts in the Bible demand the big screen of a vivid imagination. Where is Cecil B. DeMille when we need him? First Kings 18 has the whole story. Here is the background. Israel was experiencing a God-sent drought as punishment for its apostasy. Ahab was the current godless and worthless king of Israel. Elijah was God's prophet of the day, and he was given the job to present himself before the king and give him a very special message. Over a period of time, Ahab had become all twisted up in the religion of Baal, a pagan idol who was believed to be the deity in charge of fertility, war, and, interestingly, weather. Ahab was so dedicated to him that 850 of Baal's priests and prophets enjoyed favors daily at the table with Ahab. Talk about having dinner guests. Oy! The day came when Elijah and Ahab met face to face, and Ahab's opening question sets the stage. Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Not, hello, I've heard a lot about you, and it's good to finally meet you. No. He opened with both barrels, and Elijah was ready with God's answer. In effect, he said, don't you point your finger at me. You turned your back on God to follow a false god. Do you think Jehovah is going to bless that? Before Ahab could recover with a smart answer, Elijah says, get your 850 priests and meet me on Mount Carmel. Then he throws the ball into the court of the ordinary people of Ahab's kingdom. He asks a question that could easily include the taunt, you know better, but he didn't. He asks, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. They knew better. They knew better, all right. First Kings 18.21 ends with, And the people answered him, Not a word. Keep that imagination of yours close by. You're going to need it. This must have been good. Elijah demands Baal's unprofitable prophets to provide two bulls as sacrificial animals and that they meet at Mount Carmel. When the appointed day arrives, they gather. Elijah gives the instructions. Remember, he is alone. He's by himself facing all of the people who are led by these 850 pagan prophets. He instructs them to prepare their bull for sacrifice on the altar they set up do everything they need to do short of placing the fire under the altar to make it into a burnt offering. Call on your God to send fire down to consume the sacrifice. After you do, I'll do the same thing. The God who answers with fire, that's the real deal, God. The other God? Well, you can figure out where this is going to go. It's interesting that the people thought Elijah's plan was a good one. Here's where it does get good. The Baalites start their incantations, their prayers, their songs, and their pleas in what begins to be an increasing crescendo of frustration. Nothing is happening. Oh, Baal, hear us! How can he? He's a dumb idol. Remember, the people of the nation are gathered there and watching. 
It's embarrassing, but it intensifies. The profitless prophets cut themselves. They go through gyrations and more incantations to deafening silence. <laughs> Look over there. That's Elijah with the smirk on his face. Things are getting intense, and Elijah decides to stir the pot. Hey, fellas, turn up the volume. Your God can't hear you. Or maybe he's talking to somebody and not paying any attention to you. Maybe he's not home. Maybe he's asleep. He said one more thing that our King James Bible text doesn't explain. Elijah said, maybe he's pursuing. This one is over our heads, lost in linguistic limbo. What he was really saying was, hey, you guys, maybe he's sitting on the potty. <laughs> Talk about taking an unkind jab. Oh, my. As would be expected, they intensified their rituals. Now they're cutting themselves, adding their own blood to the mix. Verse 29 tells us this continued until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. There was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. Deafening silence. Their God did not respond. After all of this show, it was Elijah's turn. There was an old altar there that was in serious disrepair from lack of use. Elijah repaired it, and after all of the people gathered around to watch, he laid the wood in order on the altar, then the bull. What he did next was unheard of. Remember, there was a severe drought in the land. He commanded for great effort that 12 barrels of water would be brought up to the hilltop and poured over the sacrifice, wood, and altar so that even the trench around the bottom of the altar was flooded with water. Verses 36 through 39 of the text tells the next part best. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. There was no room for doubt. Elijah was used perfectly to show the power of a perfect God in comparison to a fraud who was propped up as a pretend God. The story isn't over yet. Verse 40 continues, And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. If one were to look down from this hilltop to the valley far below, you would see a large dirt-covered mound 
that is said to be where those prophets and priests were buried. With complete faith in a faithful God, Elijah declared to Ahab in verse 41, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Not long later, we read that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. What is the primary lesson here? Get rid of the idols, the false gods, and things that can hinder you from serving the true God. Serve Him faithfully, and you can expect blessing beyond belief. Oh, I know. It's easier said than done. We're human. Let's all ask the Lord for strength to do that. And then let's see what happens. In the Beacon's Light is a production of Beacon Street Media. Feel free to contact us at www.swrc.com. This is Jerry Tyson reminding you that when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sins.